Sermon number 631, Living in Day Tight Compartments, preached on the last Sunday of the year, December 31st, 1972, in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown. The text is Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 34th verse, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Today, which is the last Sunday of 1972, as well as the last day of this year, will be recorded in history as a very memorial day. It certainly will be so in the case of the 101 years of the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown. Well, I'm sure history will show to us eventually that on this particular day, at this precise moment, a large and varied congregation is more spread out geographically in worship than ever it has been in the past. There are many people in the sanctuary present, and many of our members are somewhere in western Pennsylvania and eastern Ohio jockeying for positions of advantage for the showdown which begins in about 34 minutes at high noon down at the three rivers of Pittsburgh. We're very grateful for the great miracle of radio, which we have enjoyed for more than five years in this church, and being able to make that a part of our mission and ministry to people throughout. And I'm sure many of our congregation members who are worshiping with us this very moment by this miracle of radio are very grateful for the opportunity of joining with us by the Spirit in this service of worship. And on this last Sunday of the year, Please listen carefully as I read a passage of Scripture which is familiar and a favorite of many of ours. Part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, the sixth chapter, the twenty-fourth verse is where we begin. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, said Jesus, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all things shall be added unto you and be yours as well. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Some people will remember him as being one of the founders of John Hopkins University. Other people will remember him as a very outstanding physician, one who was the author of perhaps the most authoritative medical textbook in the early part of our century. Other people will remember him as a philosopher that made sense. Still others will think of him as a great friend, one whom they said never forgot a face nor a name. Others will know of him as a friend who loved to play jokes on people and who loved to laugh. It is incredible when one thinks about all of the work, the play, the reading, the writing, the thinking, the resting that Sir William Ausler was able to put into a 24-hour period. One day someone asked Sir William what was his secret, and he gave to them this answer, that the reason that he could be so productive in life and enjoy life so much was that early in his life he had learned how to live in day-tight compartments. And then he went on to add, to be able to live in day-tight compartments, it means you throw away all ambition, save the desire to do today's work well. It means you live neither in the past nor in the future, but you allow each day to uh, absorb all of your energies and allow that particular day to be fed with your wider ambitions. In other words, Gosler was saying what Jesus Christ said many years before, which is the text of this particular sermon. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. But talking about living in daytight compartments and Living in daytight compartments are two different things. And it's not an easy philosophy to follow. And no one can do it without certain ingredients. First of all, you don't live in daytight compartments, letting each day be anxious for itself, unless, I believe, 
you can conduct some little funeral ceremonies with not only the regrets, but some of the rewards of yesterday. Funeral services, not that are filled with mourning, but rather that are filled with joy. One of the things that makes us distinctive as creations of God, the mind, a mind which has as one of its functions the ability to remember and thank God for our memories. The Bible tells us that to remember is a very important fact in life, and if a person cannot remember, he really cannot live. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Remember that? Remember when Jesus did not want us to forget the life which he lived and the purpose for which he lived and his death upon the cross. Remember what he did? He took a piece of bread and he broke it and he took a cup and he filled it with wine and he gave to us the beginnings of what we now know as a sacrament. And he said, and what we do each time that we partake, take this bread, drink of this cup, this do in remembrance of me. Yes, memory is a wonderful thing and it's one of the things, the ability to recall, that makes us different from other living creations of the Almighty. But we must also remember that it is a function of the mind also to forget. And the mind has a responsibility not only to remember, but to forget. And the problem we have remembering throughout life, most of us, is that we remember those things that we should forget, and we forget those things that we should remember. And consequently, it's very difficult for us to live life full of joy and happiness and power, and to be able not to be anxious, overly so, with the activities of a particular day. Now, if we're ever going to fill the power and the joy and happiness in life that God intended you and me to have when he placed us here on the face of the earth, we must be able to forget to have funeral services for some of those things that have come to us and which we regret, some of the rewards that have come to us, we must bury them. And into such graves we could perhaps put, first of all, our sins, those nasty skeletons of selfishness and self-centeredness that have made us think foolishly that we are the creator rather than the creations. Those particular little things in life where we have been trying to run competition with God, where we have disobeyed his commands, and where we have lived less than the wonderful people that he created us to be. Yes, into one grave we should place our sins and forget them. Into another grave we might place our failures, those silly little things which we have done at home, in the office, with our friendships, 
those particular things that we have done without thinking, the particular things that we have done that have been stupid and foolish and a big mistake, but those things which we have paid for many times over but with which we still like to punish ourselves, those things that we try to rationalize by playing all sorts of games with ourselves and with each other, those types of things that have happened in our life which are over with now and which we really can't do much about. We should conduct a funeral service for those particular failures and bury them deep in a grave. Also, we should bury some of our successes. Those things that we have been fortunate enough to be a part of, those things that have come through us and have been a big, huge, wonderful success in the world, but which, in turn, because we memorialize them too much and want to talk about them too much, instead of being stepping stones to greater things today, they are stumbling blocks and preventing us to be unleashed with all of the energy that God has given. Yes, and into another grave we should put all of those sayings, those sayings that people have directed right toward us as individuals, those sayings which were intended to hurt and to kill not the body but the spirit, sayings which have come from mouths that have not been connected with thinking minds, sayings which have come from hearts that have been filled with everything but love, sayings which have come from prejudice and jealousies and hatreds that others have for us, sayings which we should have forgotten about a long time ago but which we seemingly cannot get out of our minds and consequently they're beginning to eat and because we have magnified them way out of proportion though at first they were not true they are slowly becoming true because we're allowing ourselves to become that which we have been called bury those sayings and put them into the cemetery forever. And yes, we should also put into the grave some of our sorrows, not all of them, not those sorrows which bring honor and glory and majesty to God and to the memory of our loved ones who have passed before us, but we should bury those sorrows which are dripping with self-pity which make us intolerable to ourselves and an embarrassment to everyone else. You cannot live in a day-tight compartment unless you are able to conduct some funeral services for some of the regrets and the rewards of yesterday. And neither can you not the one who is not anxious about his life, unless you are able to put away the binoculars, the binoculars which some of us use to look 
at not only the problems but the puzzles of tomorrow. <coughs> Our Lord, when he says unto us, let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day, he is not counseling us to be blind or improvident of the things of the future. No, no. But he is trying to help us to avoid that tendency that is in you and in me and in everyone to project ourselves so far into the future that we forget to live today. He is trying to keep us from that tendency of worrying and being so overly concerned about tomorrow with all of its problems and puzzles that we mortgage our happiness for today. You see, he is trying to get us to the position where we enjoy today. Sometimes, you know, we live too much with the worries, the concerns, and the decisions that we are going to have to make tomorrow and in the tomorrows of life. And we get ahead of ourselves. And instead of enjoying today, we're trying to live in the morrow. And that is impossible. A psychologist once asked 3,000 people the same question. What are you living for? And he was surprised to find out that 90% of those people were living for something that they hoped would happen in the future. Many of them were waiting for that day when they would graduate from some school. Others were waiting for that day when they could begin a particular job. Others were waiting for the day when they would marry that particular mate. Others were looking older than life for that time when they would get that particular promotion. Others were looking for that time when they would be able to retire and move to some other particular community. Others were looking for some loved one perhaps to die so at last they could be free, free at last. Ninety percent of them were looking through binoculars to some distant picture and they were completely oblivious to the beautiful flower garden in which they were standing. God wants us, yes, to be concerned about the future, but he doesn't want us to live in the tomorrow today. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. And you can't live in a day-type compartment today if you're trying to live with the pains and the problems and the puzzles of tomorrow. You can only do that when you concentrate on the goodness and the greatness and the grace with which you have been given today. Today, this is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad in it. John R. Mott, one of the greatest missionaries that this world has ever known. He was an individual who said so many sound and wonderful things. And he reminds us that wealth, which is lost, can always be restored with industry 
And sometimes good health, which has been lost, can be at times restored with medicines and miracles. But a lost day is irreparably gone. It can never be recalled. This day, December 31, 1972, this day is almost half over. And no matter what anybody can do, no matter what God wills, this day shall never pass our way again. Tomorrow is not yet here. Yesterday is gone forever. And though it may be perhaps frightening, some of us may never see tomorrow. The only time we really have is right now. Right now. This very moment is the only moment in your life of which you can be sure. And it's a gift from God to you and to me. Sometimes in my prayer life, personally, I begin by thanking God in the morning for every day and especially for that day. And every once in a while it dawns on me, as it did this morning in my prayer, that there will be some morning when I will not have the privilege nor the opportunity to thank God for that day. Because, you see, when there is always a yesterday in our life, someday, for you and for me, someday, there will be no tomorrow. And thank God no one of us knows when that day will be. Think with me, will you please, just for a few minutes over the last 12 months, concentrate, if you will, upon the disappointments, the heartaches, the shattered dreams, the grief which you experienced since we met here on the first Sunday, January 2nd, 1972, 53 Sundays ago. You know, if one of us on that particular Sunday had predicted what would happen to you in your life, the things that have happened to you in the last 12 months, you know, I don't think you would have been able to bear it. But thank God you are here. And you have borne whatever experience you have had to bear. Equally, I doubt if any of us can really tell, us, tell each other the concerns that were upon our hearts in the worries and the anxieties that we had about the tomorrows of life on January 2nd, 1972. Many of the things that day that frightened us, that worried us, that made us anxious, they never happened, or if they did, they were in miniature to what we know. That's the way it is in life. And that is why we should be people who forget yesterday and do not anticipate too much of tomorrow, but to live today and to do as I read this past week, to so balance our program every day that it is filled not only with work and with worship, with play and with rest, with love and with living. That every day, every day is a miniature lifetime for you and for me. 
And there's only one way to do that, and that is when you have a lively faith with God. A faith that is alive and real, and by the power of his Holy Spirit that can be yours and mine. We say in Christian theology that God is omnipotent, omnipresent. That means he's powerful and he's everywhere. But even though he is here with us in this sanctuary this morning, in essence he is really not here unless we are aware that he is here. This is why we have an invocation at the beginning of our service, inviting the Spirit of God, which is already here, to be present in this worship service. And though he is here, he's really not here in your life unless you invite him into your life. And this is how you have a lively faith with God. You see, he doesn't just want you to, to know about him from a history book of yesterday, nor does he want you to wait until you go to be with him in heaven tomorrow. He wants to live with you today. And he can by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I recommend to you on this, the greatest day in your life, today, perhaps the first day of the rest of your life, and maybe the last. Start this day by listening to God before you listen to anyone else. I recommend every morning we, we take our Bibles and with the help of some guide or just read a chapter at a time, starting in the New Testament. Allow God to speak to you. Allow his word to personally, by the power of his spirit, to speak to you. And then in an attitude of prayer, go over the plans that you have for that day, always asking for his leading and his guidance. And then, get up and go out with the determination that you will follow him as he leads you, losing patience neither with yourself with others, or with God. I would like to wish all of you today a happy new year, but I cannot in faith and in truth do that, because for some of us 1973 may not be a happy year. But I can wish for all of you a great day today and every day that God gives you to live. For you have the ability to live in daytight compartments. Blessings on you all. Father, we're thankful for every opportunity and every blessing. Help us to live as sons and daughters who walk not with fear or with trembling or anxiety, but only with love and of power and of a sound mind following you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.